Hello, everyone. You're listening to Laser Graves, a podcast about the 80s. I am your co-host, E.K. Wimmer. Hey, E.K. Wimmer. I am Mariah Rose Wimmer. Hey. Hi. Uh, if we have any new listeners, thanks for joining us. Like yeah. we said, this is a podcast about the 80s. And today we will be discussing a little gem from 1984 called Voyage of the Rock Aliens. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many people have seen it, but um, it's definitely worth watching, I think. Yeah. We'll get into it. Um, but before we do, Thrift Store Finds the Week? Yes, I have two. Okay. One, I don't know if you'll count, but it is secondhand. Okay. So today I was walking in the desert. And I found a pile of bones, and I was so excited. I'm going to take it. Yeah, okay. Sure. Yeah, so that's a secondhand find, number one. And number two is I found some, like, 1960s hippie flour, um, like, canisters for putting in flour and sugar in. Okay. So it, it's a mixed bag, and it harkens back to my description of gothic hippie. It's perfect. It's true. It is perfect. What about you? I, um, I found... An uh, original 1977 movie tie-in of Star Wars, a book. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was kind of cool. You were just because the pictures are still Yeah, in. it's in pretty good shape. It's not real pricey or anything, but it's still pretty cool looking. Uh, but the big one. I had a, a really, really big one. The big boy. <laughs> this is a very big boy. Uh, this is not <laughs> a VHS. This is something I've been looking for for probably about two years now, and I have not found is... I, in addition to VHS, I'm a very big record collector. And Huge. I have been on the lookout for a new stereo receiver for my record player for a long time, but mm-hmm. those are really hard to find at a thrift store, especially a nice one, because yeah. all these old dudes buy them up and then flip them because you can find them for dirt cheap and then sell them for a couple hundred bucks. And Yeah, those are the dudes that like... Yeah do it every day yeah they're there at opening and they will push you over and oh yeah, yeah gut you to get to it yeah and every time you walk into a thrift store though even if you find one that's even remotely nice it's marked up way up to like 40 50 60 bucks which is stupid so i've just not found a, a good one at all for a couple of years now i've been mm-hmm. looking and then i stumbled across a um, record player and A receiver. I passed on the record player, immediately regretted it, and then Mm -hmm. turned around to get it. And within two minutes, some middle-aged dude who was going to flip it... He had had gloves on. He was ready. He was dead serious. Had it under his uh, arm and looked at me with, like, anger for grabbing the receiver. It was pretty funny. Because I found a very nice, almost mint condition, 1973 Pioneer receiver that is just gorgeous. (laughs) And it was... $12.99. Cool. Got home, plugged it in. It sounds incredible, and I am very excited. So this week, after plenty of duds, uh, this one made up for quite a while. So, yeah, yeah, that was my thrift store find of the week. That's good. And, I mean, we don't have to call a winner, but I feel like my bones probably win. They're not your bones, though. They're somebody else's bones. They were, but now they're mine. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, well, way to try and take the, the thunder from my cool story. Yeah, I am. I'm just trying to bolster my own. Okay, well, job well done. <laughs> Thank you. This is a first time watch for both of us, correct? Yeah, for okay. sure. I yeah. definitely did not know what I was in for. You'd never seen a trailer or anything like that, No, right? truly. Okay. So you, every week, or most weeks when we do a movie, you bring out to me, like, an offering... Yeah. <laughs> uh, a bunch of. I sit on my throne. Tidings for my queen. Yep. And you bring out a silver tray with VHS in an array. And I look them over very carefully, usually, taking out that one with the cat. And. <laughs> <laughs> you always take out the David Pryor films, too. What? Anytime oh. I try and sneak in something, you, you immediately just throw that to the side. And I'm like, come on. Well, you have to. It's like a. Yeah, it's occasion. It's like birthday cake, maybe once a year, guys. Calm down. Yeah, but we're in our second year and you haven't done another David Pryor film. <laughs> You've only done Killer Workout. Maybe it's like a leap year birthday cake. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe. <laughs> you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put a David Pryor film inside the slip of a really <laughs> oh, awesome one. And sneaky? then you'll be like, this one, and then I'll just pull it out. You know what? That would be fun to like wrap tapes up or put them in bags and just randomly select. 
I should do that for you so that I can be in control of watching one that isn't a David Pryor. <laughs> And let you choose. Yeah, no. So we did. This was in the pile of this week. Yeah. And you went with this one, which was I was excited about. Yeah, usually I read the backs and like look at the time because I don't want to watch a movie that's nine hours long. Right. And uh, I didn't even read the back. I just looked at the title and was like, this one. Yeah, it's got a really enticing title and the cover looks cool. I mean, it's. The reason why I wanted to see it is I, I had seen a trailer for it. I had looked it up because I don't even know where or when I found out about this film. It's a mystery. But it became one of those films I just put on a list of, you know, see if I could track it down one day. Because I'm my favorite subgenre is, is metal horror. And then after that, kind of things that have rock or music in them. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was this seemed kind of adjacent to that. And I thought, all right, well... If I can find one, I looked it up one time, and still to this day, it's a solid forty to fifty dollar tape Jeez. every day of the week. So that wasn't an option for me. No. And then, of course, I did my default. Well, maybe one day I'll find it, mm-hmm. which means that's my my way of saying you'll you'll never see it. And mm-hmm. so I just kind of let it go, and I saw it pop up a couple times in people's feeds. I seriously only know maybe two or three people on Instagram that actually own this. Okay. It's just an obscure one. It's very, very out there and rare. And then one day I was thrifting and there it was. And I recognized the font right away. Couldn't believe my luck. It was 99 cents. Picked it up. Full, you know, tape, cover, everything. I was so excited. Mm-hmm. Except I slid out the tape. Yeah. And I saw this little piece of scotch tape over the record dub. Oh. And I thought, oh, man. You know, I, I might have mentioned this in a uh, thrift store I find think you did, in a previous yeah. episode. Either that or something else that had that. Well, this is the update then on that. Okay, follow so, through. come to find out, I did find in the wild an actual copy of the 1988 Prism release of Voyage of the Rock Aliens. Very rare, expensive tape. I mean, not like extremely rare, extremely expensive, but more, than, more so than a normal tape. Mm-hmm. I was very excited only to discover, yes, it had been dubbed over by somebody. They taped like a TV movie or something over Uh, it. Did you watch the TV movie first? I didn't. I was just like super Uh. annoyed. But I realized, okay, well, I've got an awesome, the slip's in good shape, the case itself, the label, everything's there. So then I thought, okay, well, I've got a bright idea. I'll just contact somebody who owns a copy and beg them to let me redub a a copy over it. Yeah, we did discuss this because yeah. I'm remembering yeah, yeah. you asking now what that meant. So I uh, contacted the people that I knew that had it and um, it did not pan out. Everybody was either too busy or it was just too much of a hassle and, mm. you know, whatever. I don't it blame them so for it. hard. It was kind of a bummer because here I was holding this cool copy that I found and I couldn't watch it. And then I think I put it up on on an Instagram story of like, hey, I'm looking for this if anybody has a copy. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think anybody would go for it. And then one of our longtime Laser Graves listeners uh, contacted me. This guy who we've talked a few times, really nice. His name's CJ Duke. He's a horror screenwriter. That's what he does. He's cool. actually very talented because I was lucky enough to read one of his scripts. And oh. I can't wait for that one to get made. Really cool guy. Uh, we talked a bunch, but he contacted me and said, I have, you know, I have a copy of Voyage of the Rock Aliens. I'm uh-huh. like, what? And he totally was willing to send me his actual copy, which keep in mind, it's not a cheap copy. Yeah. Send me his copy so that I could make a new version, like a new copy of it, and then send it back to him. Wow. And he did. And so I made a replica, and then I took the spools from that tape, of, you know, the, the replica, Put it into the original casing I had. Oh. And our copy now, even though it was overdubbed back, I mean, it's totally like the same thing as if you Weird. bought it brand new. Yeah. And so that was very generous of him. So, Did you already send it back to him? Yeah, yeah. How responsible. So, uh, CJ, this episode is dedicated to you because oh. it wouldn't have been possible without <laughs> well, you. cheers. Uh, if you want to follow him, by the way, he's at Video Nasties 87. And like I said, he's an awesome horror writer. Oh, that's Video Nasties. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he's a good, he's a long time listener. So. I didn't put that together. So anyway, I just wanted to kind of go over that. That that's the backstory. That's how we got this into our possession because we did watch our VHS copy of it. Oh, I feel like I'm 
putting pieces of a puzzle together right now. It's a one big happy family. Isn't it, though? Okay, you ready to take a journey? Yeah. Let's do this. Let's blast off. Let's blast off. Voyage of the Rock Aliens 1984, directed by James Fargo. Now, he went on to do a bunch of action movies and stuff. I mean, he's just a, he's a solid director. Weird. It's yeah. weird to just go towards action from something that is definitely a musical. Yeah, he did a bunch of different things. I don't know if you want to, before we even get into the actual film, Mm -hmm. you want to know how this came to be. Yes, I'm very curious, like, what even is going on here? Yeah, this is one of those, how in the world did this get funded? Yeah, I wonder that too. Because it is weird. Okay, I don't want to give the impression that I didn't think it was good or I didn't like it. I actually really enjoy this movie. It just doesn't make sense. It's, It's kind of a mess. And... But in a good way. It's It reminds me of, if you want to listen to an earlier episode of ours, it's very similar, would be um, Get Crazy, right? Yeah. Because Get, Get crazy, crazy was another one of those zany musicals from the 80s that's just over the top goofy. Yeah. This is very similar in... In the goofiness. In the goofiness. And in the obscurity, because both of them mm-hmm. are very hard to come by. Well, I guess now not this one, because it's had you know an actual release on DVD and stuff like that. Oh, but, really? Yeah, but... We'll get into why nobody knew about this film okay. for so long. But yeah, let me then let me tell you a little how bit. How did this get made? It it's interesting. So And how did it get a Jackson? Yeah, well, uh money, 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 right? That okay. makes the world go round. So this is starring an actress named Pia Zadora. She plays Dee Dee, our lead character. Is she like a Broadway actress? So she she was an act. She was kind of the triple threat, right? She oh. was an actress, a singer, and, and a model. A, oh, I was gonna say, how is she a model? She is clearly four foot two. Well, she probably modeled like um, slippers or pajamas or something like that. <laughs> children's clothes. children's clothes. No, I don't know. <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter. She's but, very petite and beautiful. I just can't imagine yeah. her like walking alongside Giselle or something. I don't think that kind of model. I just okay. think that she was just maybe like, uh, maybe she had like cover girl or something. I don't know. Okay. Whatever. But uh, Pia was an actress. She had previously been in a film called Butterfly that <laughs> this is very bizarre because this had never really happened. I don't think she got a Razzie for a worst actress for that. <gasps> And then ended up getting a Golden Globe, I think, for the same exact role. What? Like, I think it was the only time that had happened up till that point. Weird. Where she had basically gotten both, both for the same movie. Best and worst. <laughs> yeah. Oh. But she then married a extremely wealthy millionaire. I think at the time he was one of the richest men in America. He oh, was so probably not a millionaire. 30 years old. Yeah, who knows? I, 30... uh, I think quabillionaire. <laughs> in the 80s. Uh-huh. <laughs> he was 30 years older than her. I think he was 53 and she was 23 at the time. Oh, okay. And he was a fan of hers mm-hmm. and got this idea. They kind of said, <gasps> well, she needs to oh. star in a movie. We need to write a movie to showcase all of her talents. I'm smelling what you're stepping in. Yeah, okay. Her beauty, her acting, her singing. And that's kind of how this got made. Her husband funded basically the entire film himself. Whoa. Yeah. So that's how this got made. Cool. That's so weird. It is kind of weird. And then they needed to find a lead. You know, they didn't want to have... They wanted somebody who could actually act and not sing and not act. So they found Craig Sheffer, who was a real actor. And he went on to have a very good career. Absolutely. Uh, I think he's still working. Yeah. Uh, and you recognized him right away. Which Nightbreed. Was yeah, he's from Nightbreed. But he's he's our, our co-star, Frankie. So they got him on board. And then, like I said, you got some money. Uh, you can start to really bring everybody in. And they really did bring some, some people into the fold. It was originally titled Attack of the Rock and Roll Aliens. And then I read... For, for this episode, I, I read a lot. I did a lot of research. I, one of the sources was this site called Cult Oddities. They had a lot of cool information. It was like all the information you didn't want to know about this movie, I think is what it was called. It was really but funny. But I do want to know it. I, I, I listened to an interview on Grindhouse Film with one of the bands in the movie. Uh, and then I just put all this together because I was wondering the same thing. Like, how... How did this even get made? Because it's such a weird film. Mm-hmm. But that's it. It was this rich 
guy had a young, talented wife and said, we definitely need to to make a film that shows off what you can do. Oh, that's very supportive. Right. So they stacked it. They got some, some big cameos of people. They paid Jermaine Jackson to come do a duet with her for the lead single. Wow. Uh, Only the Rain Will Fall or whatever it's called. Yeah, it was a, it's a really it was good catchy. song. Yeah, I really like that song. And then they even brought in the cinematographer is Gil Taylor, who some people may recognize the name because he was the cinematographer for Star Wars, The Omen, Whoa. The 79 version of Dracula. Like, he was, like, a major player. But I feel like all these rich people, like, the super rich people in California just have a secret club that they go to where they, like, drop a million dollars down a chute and then they fall through a trap door and then they gather and okay. just share projects. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I think that's how it works. I think I'm pretty pretty sure. Okay. Okay. Well, and then is so the last bit before we launch into it were how the bands got to be here because this is this is a musical for yeah. sure. This was actually billed and pitched as uh, Space Grease is what they wanted it to oh, be. Oh, okay. Like Grease in Space. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of a spoof on Grease and um uh, Beach Party like that. Okay. Those those kind of films. And I will agree to that because before I read that when I was watching this, I thought, man, this really has a Grease feel. A Grease 2 feel even more than Grease mm-hmm. 1. But so they needed two bands for this because there's this whole Battle of the Bands idea. Um, they're playing fast and loose with Battle of the Bands, but yes. They are. Uh, so one of the bands is Jimmy and the Mustangs, who was a real band. They were yeah. a real rockabilly band, had done their time, you know, like it kind of made their way around the scene in, in California. Okay. So they were kind of an easy shoe in because they were already established. I feel like they probably toured with Cherry Pop and Daddies. That's the totally wrong decade. They're all still around. They probably toured with the Stray Cats would be a They're better... They're all probably, and now, even now, all three of those bands are on tour in like... I don't know. Austria. You know, if somebody's <laughs> walking down the street and they see you've got like rolled cuffs and like a pompadour uh-huh. or whatever, they're like, hey, you should probably be in a rockabilly band and play with our band. Uh huh. Yeah. So they definitely were dressed to the T's. They, mm-hmm. They're full on rockabilly, 80s rockabilly, very stray cats. Cool, cool addition to this film. Mm-hmm. That was one of the bands. The other band was the weirder one. They're called uh, Rima or Rema. R-H-E-M-A. Yeah, I've heard it pronounced both ways, but I think the band themselves called it Rama. And they're this new wave... Did they act in the parts, too? Yeah, that's the band. Oh, okay. Both of I these would... are the real bands. Okay. Well, I for some reason, I understood that with the... Um, what are they called? Oh, Mustangs? Jimmy and the Mustangs? Yeah, and but I wasn't sure with the aliens. Okay. Okay, so here's why. There is a little footnote next to that. Okay. <laughs> they... Kind of are the whole band. It's huh. that it's that band performing the songs. Okay. But who you see on film is not the complete band. Rayma had, they were in Arizona. That's where they were based out of. And somehow they got the attention of the CEO of Curb Records. And he went and saw them, met with them, said, okay, yeah, you guys are what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. They had to go out to California and do screen tests for acting because they had no clue how to act. They were just musicians. Yeah. And apparently the band was kind of taking it seriously, except for the bass player didn't care at all. He did not take any of this he seriously. He wasn't into it. And so you know what happened? No. They didn't cast him <gasps> in the film that uses their music. So he got replaced with some random actor. And then... We the, did the actor take over his place in real life and he was kicked out of his own no, band? No, not at all. Okay, good. And then the other one is the main leader, the blonde yeah, yeah. bowl cut leader. He's just an actor. Uh, they needed somebody who yeah. wasn't a singer. They needed somebody who could actually act as the, as the leader of the... Well, okay, I know. <laughs> as, as a leader of the aliens. So in their case, unlike Jimmy and the Mustangs, it's kind of like most of the original band but then okay. a couple actors um kind of shoe peppered in throughout there. yeah and then both bands were offered this sweet deal from curb records which was you get a record contract and get to star in the movie if you do this and so they signed on the stage is set right they've they've got everybody in place they've got the money they go to atlanta 
and it's filmed in November, December 1983. And that's how we got to be where we're at with this film it's opening up. Is, interesting it's, start. So it basically is just a giant vanity film for a rich husband to make for his young wife. Well, <laughs> it's cool. kind of sweet. <laughs> she did a great job. So, sure. hey, whatever. I mean, she's extremely talented. Yeah. Good for so, her. There you go. That was kind of a long lead up, but I feel like it was important because this yeah. film is interesting. Also, it makes no sense. Right. So and now it's it makes a know. little bit more sense. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that was educational. I feel so educated. Okay. Okay. So we are going to actually launch into space. Okay. On what? On obviously a guitar. Oh, what kind of guitar? What kind of guitar? A flying V yeah, spaceship. Yeah. That's the only kind of guitar that flies. It's true. Only the flying V. Absolutely. Every other one's just a guitar. Anyway, so we're flying through space, and our spaceship is not commandeered, controlled by a robot. And the robot's name is 1359, in case you were wondering. Was it? I didn't even write that down. (laughs) So it's a spaceship, and they're on a mission through space trying to find the source of rock music. (laughs) Why do they need to find the source of rock music? Why not? Who knows? Who cares? Whatever. It's a noble cause. And they're, like, looking through a space periscope? I don't really know. Is this the one that's controlled by a keyboard? Yes. Oh, it's so great. Well, I mean, all of their instruments are instruments. Yeah, it's really funny. So they're peering down just... It's like two robots, but one's 1359 and the other remains nameless. So the robots are looking down on planet Earth and they view through their space periscope a bunch of people in white leather on motorcycles cruising through the night. (laughs) There is a babe on the back of the motorcycle, and I mean babe in the 80-est sense, 80s-est sense of the word. This, okay, the spaceship alone was already this, but by the time we get to this segment, this film, I am not joking to all of our listeners ever, this is too 80s to function. Like, this is the most 80s movie I think I've ever seen in my life, in every, every truest sense of the word. I think... Thought. I've always held to the idea that Chopping Mall was the 80s film I'd ever seen. Mm-mm. And this is not even like Chopping Mall doesn't even compare. No. This is as 80s as you can possibly get. It's like you took the 80s, covered it in glue, dipped it in the 80s and held itself in front of a mirror. Yes. And then if somebody ever said, what was the 80s like? <laughs> you could watch this. <laughs> And it would blow your mind at how 80s this movie is. For sure. I just need to put that out there because it only it only intensifies. Yeah. Like, really intensifies. I, I concur. Because this scene that you're about to launch into, not mm-hmm. only are they just dressed totally 80s, they've got the, like, Pizza Hut triangle sunglasses. I think got, everybody does. There's, in every scene, at least one person with triangle sunglasses. <laughs> it's just amazing yeah i just have never seen anything like it i've seen we are an 80s podcast all we see are people in the 80s and this still was like so much. i didn't realize this much 80s existed in one film it's intense it's really intense it's so intense brace yourself okay hang on <laughs> okay strap in because we have a bunch of people in white leather on motorcycles and we later learn that it's actually a high school band called the pack so the pack is cruising around in white leather and then there is another gang and it's weird because it's nighttime and i was like is this supposed to be earth or is it supposed to be some distant planet that's earth-like right it was very unclear to me but there is a separate gang in sort of a ruinous town and this gang is led by Jermaine, and he starts singing yeah, and, and it's very post-apocalyptic, too. Yes, it's weird. Because that's what I ask. Because they have, like, the spiky shoulder pads and everything. And I'm like, is this a post-apocalyptic film? I was very confused. Yeah. Very confused. And they're, like, fighting, like, full-on, like, a Michael Jackson video fighting. It's really funny. Well, so the the pack, the white leather pack, right? They're, they don't continue to wear white leather. But in this particular scene, <laughs> it's pure white leather. Okay. They encounter Jermaine Jackson, and it's like a showdown, kind of like a singing showdown. And the girl who is played by Pia, yeah. our our lady, her name is Dee Dee in this film. 
she and Jermaine have sort of an emotional affair about singing. Yeah, it makes no sense. It does make sense. So... Does it? Yes. Skipping ahead. Okay, let's hear, let's lay it out. Dee Dee wants to sing, guys. That's all she wants to do. She wants to be 80s and she wants to sing. But her boyfriend, the leader of the pack, he doesn't want her to sing. It's all about him. He's He's got control issues. Okay. So when they encounter Jermaine Jackson, who is ready to sing with Dee Dee. Right. She's on board. She's like, this is what I want. I want to sing. I want to stroll around a ruinous town and um, be emotional at night. Okay. So she's ready to go. So you think this works in the context of the whole film? Is that what you're, does, you're going on record to say that? Shh. Okay, I just, I just want to hear it. I want to, I want to make sure this is your stance that you think this opening segment with Jermaine Jackson, who never appears in the rest of the movie, makes sense. It makes sense as much as anything makes sense in this movie. Okay, this whole segment has nothing to do with the movie, and here's why: mm-hmm. not only because none of these people, like from the other side, appear at any other point no, in the movie. They're not. But because this was filmed after the movie was done. Oh, yeah. That's pretty clear. And this was a music video where Pia and Jermaine went to Italy, shot a music video that I was I was under the impression cost more than the film. <laughs> and it was supposed to go at the end of the film as like an add-on bonus mm-hmm. because this song appears in the actual film with the, the two leads. This was going to be like the bonus version at the end. And then when her husband saw how amazing it looked and how amazing it was, said, this should definitely not only be in the film, this should be the opening of the film. And so everybody had to just deal with the fact that they have now inserted a music video that had been shot after. Mm -hmm. gets on the back of Frankie's bike and they leave. And then we go back into space. We are back on the Flying V. Yes, which the set of this is very uh, Mystery Science Theater. Yes, that's all I thought, especially with the two like silly robots. It's Yes, and they're like tuning in to watch things. Yes, so they've tuned in to watch <laughs> so they've tuned in to watch Jermaine singing and they're like, oh, 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 this is it. We found the source. <laughs> We're going to go to this high school. And so Robot 1359 decides... Oh, wait. Jermaine was supposed to be from the same high school? No, he just was... He interacted with these high schoolers. Okay, okay. Who knows? They're in Italy. Maybe they rode their motorcycles from, what is it, Spielberg to... Italy. It would have been their uh, Vespas. Oh, yes. Ciao. Ciao. So, Robot 1359 is all jazzed up on seeing Jermaine and Pia singing together, or Dee Dee. They, he, or I don't know, the robot decides it's time to wake his alien overlords. And so... (laughs) Oh, this scene is cool. He reaches in the fridge, and he takes out teeny tiny little men... Who are like frozen yeah, or refrigerated? Like uh, GI Joe figurines. They're itty bitty, and he shoots them sh- through what's like essentially a hamster trail. <laughs> yeah. You know, like the kind that those weirdos put up around their house. Yeah. And if you're one of those weirdos, we love you. We love you. Yeah, Good em- for you. Embrace the weird. Somebody's got to love those hamsters. Not and that much. Somebody's got to love you. You got to believe that. The hamsters do. All right. So the aliens are shot through a hamster trail, and then uh, they come out at the other side. And and then they come out after shooting through this thing, and they're big. They come, like, rolling out. 
they're, uh, you know, human-sized aliens. Yeah, it is kind of cool. And they, they like, come out, they fly their ship, they're singing about the 21st century, and they head to Earth. You didn't know. We didn't know. We didn't know. We didn't know. What did you think? We didn't think at all. We had the world in the palm of our hand. Then we turned around and dropped it. They tore it apart and we had the brand. Because we knew we couldn't stop it on earth. Where will we be in the 21st century? And then we go back to Earth. Where we're at Lake Erie, which is a polluted place outside of Spielberg, not spelled like Steven Spielberg. It's like S-P-E-E-L-B-U-R-G-H Spielberg. Yeah, real clever. And this start, This is like a Frankie Avalon kind of, yeah. you know, back to the beach jam. Kind of, but it's all polluted. But the this is like, okay, we had already gone to 11 on the 80s scale, and this is like... Who knew that there was a 12? Why was the 80s obsessed with the 50s? That's the question. I don't know. But this musical number is over the top. I yes. mean, we've got saxophones. We've got so a beach party. So many saxophones. And then classic 80s slapstick humor. There's like a really cheap lake monster that that its arm stretches it's, out. and <laughs> It's a, like a giant squid. It plays a role in the movie. Okay, so Dee Dee's on the beach. It's so cool. Frankie's not there, but the rest of the band is there. And since Frankie's away, Dee Dee starts singing because she's allowed to because Frankie's not there. And she really is. She tears it she's up. She's owning this scene. She is doing this it. This is all her husband's money on display right here. That's strange. <laughs> Strange to think about. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, there's like a lake monster, there's pollution, you don't know what reality you're in. It's this all good. This is also very much a musical, not a musical, not a film with music. This is a musical. Yes. And Frankie cruises up, Frankie of the Nightbreed persuasion. Yes. Cruises up, he comes and basically spoils the fun. Like, everybody is dancing and having a great time. And he's like, nope, I'm going to take a dump on this party. And he makes everybody stop what they're doing. He also brutes a lot. He's like, um, he reminds me so much of James Hurley from Twin Peaks. He's constantly doing that stare and head tilt. You know what he reminded me of? Hmm. Angel from Buffy. Same. It's the same stock. Can you imagine those three men in a room together just pouting at each other? Can you imagine a movie starring the three of them and they're just <laughs> pouting? Oh my gosh, I would have watched that movie so bad. Okay, well. So he comes come and, true and does a James Hurley Angel impression and poops on their party and it's over. Did he stop singing? Yeah, he takes a huge dump on their party. Yeah, he's that guy. Yeah. And he's like, I'm going to control who sings here. And he, like, peacocks all around, and that's that. Uh, oh, he'll he'll do some more peacocking in the wild later, but oh. we'll get to there. Oh, yes. You know what is interesting about him? In the interview with the band, they were saying that he, everybody was, like, having a good time. Uh-huh. Except they said he took this role super serious. Oh, that's sweet. Like, hardcore method acted it kind of thing. And oh. he, like, would... He was just very serious on set. Good for and, him. Yeah, good for him. But I think it was because this was one of his first real breaks. Yeah. And he didn't, like, want to squander it. No, I get really it. Which is really tragic considering when we get to what happened with this film. Don't. <laughs> his career has been fine. He worked really hard. He has. Can we get to... Can we jump to the aliens coming to Earth? Because yeah. So they're prepping to come to Earth. And then there's an old peeping Tom sheriff who is a peeping... Thomasina, it's a woman. The sheriff also is a is a, a cameo, basically, too. It's uh, Ruth Gordon, who was this award-winning actress. She was in Harold and Maude. She was in Rosemary's oh. Baby. Like, she was the, a big deal on She's set. She's Maude? I guess so. I mean, I'm not a fan of that. Well, what? I don't want to say I'm not a fan of the movie. I've just never seen it, and everybody's all crazy about it. It's so good. Is it? It's weird, but it's good. Okay. Well, that's her. So she, the sheriff was, um, Weird. This, yeah, she was a big deal on set and everybody okay. was really excited to have her there. So she's peeping on a young man. Oh, that makes more sense if it's a Harold Amad reference. I don't. Okay. It's an old woman and a young fellow having a romantic relationship. Oh, is it? 
It's very interesting. You gotta oh whatever. It's like just you and me. It. What? I don't know. You're older than me. <laughs> I just just wanted to keep you on your toes sometimes. Oh, okay. So the aliens are coming to Earth. And they transport from their flying V this to the Earth is in bonkers. They come to Earth in a telephone booth. In a t- this is full Bill and Ted. So did Bill and Ted rip them off? I don't know if they ripped them off, but come on. Like, this isn't a Doctor Who TARDIS thing. That's This is totally different. I, it, they had to have known about it, even though it wasn't really readily available. What are the odds that a, a rock band is traveling through time uh, in a phone booth like this? I just, it's too similar. But here's the thing, though. There's, there's that part of being a human where you have this brilliant idea that you think is so unique (laughs) and then you know whatever cultural influences were feeding into that decision that you reach the same conclusion as somebody else like you and i as artists both know that that happens i wonder if if they knew and were referencing this movie or if it was just one of those weird things that happens that you can't explain it's a rock it's an it's a Ooh. sci-fi kind of adventure comedy that involves rock music traveling oh in a gosh. phone booth. So if any of you out there know, please like let us know. I'm curious. Okay. Do you want to hear a side note about telephone booths that is totally unrelated? I would love to. Yeah. Thanks. So when I was in uh, junior high, I had a crush on a guy named Eric. not you yeah the um inferior eric totally inferior but i didn't know how to get his attention so so i one day saw that you could request free recipes from miracle whip what where's this going i don't why are you telling this story i don't know so i saw that you could request free free recipes from miracle whip like a booklet Uh so i would go to the phone booth because i thought the police could track my phone (laughs) so i went to this phone booth outside of a hotel and i i ordered for like three weeks books of miracle whip recipes to that guy's house to impress him i don't no. How old were you? I think I was like 10 or 11. Oh, wow. But I never told him. I think maybe I realized that was weird. Oh, that's wild. Okay. <laughs> that's my only phone book Thanks story. for sharing that story. <laughs> that is that is as Mariah as Mariah gets with storytelling. Yeah. Okay. But also, at that time, I had just discovered Miracle Whip. This was pre-veganism, and mm-hmm. I was excited about it. Yeah, you should have been. <laughs> okay. Man, even phone booths. I was excited about phone booths, too. They're We're, fun. Do you remember when uh, we were going through... New Mexico, and I was trying to track down all the oh, yeah. film locations that John Carpenter had shot in for yes. vampires. And I tracked down the hotel from vampires. Mm-hmm. And I tried to take a photo reenacting the scene of James Woods out front. Yes. Only to discover, of course, there's not a phone booth there anymore. But you found the spot where I the phone I found the was. electrical box on the ground where it used to be, and it made me so sad. <laughs> okay, so back to it. The aliens have landed. And they are wearing, like, full alien clothes. So imagine 80s alien clothes, and this is what you get. They have, like, kind of those banana pants that are, like, a little bit loose. And they've got, like, a sort of V-shaped shirt where it's, like, sleeves that kind of come out off the shoulders. There's lightning bolts. They've got the, like, band, the sunglasses that are just, like, a bar across their eyes. It's just so 80s. I don't even know... I don't even know how to describe it without just saying 80, the word 80s. Is yes. Everything you've ever seen about the 80s is on display. Just, just picture the 80s and there you have it. <laughs> it's in full force. So they also make the robot take the disguise of a, a fire, fire hydrant. hydrant. For, they're okay. like, that's too obvious. Which couldn't be more mystery science theater. Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly. A, it's a talking <gasps> fire hydrant. Wait. Is Mystery Science Theater referencing this movie? I would not be surprised. Oh, deep cuts. Man, we should have like really done a two-part episode on this just on the... So much. I th- Okay. Uh, actually, no, I'm going to back us up. Let's just take oh. it down a notch. 
I feel like we're getting really excited and giving this way too much like <laughs> cultural <laughs> like <laughs> clout where it's like this is responsible for every great thing Ooh. ever made. Okay. I'm going to grab We may be getting ahead of ourselves. I'm going to grab some red thread. You get a bulletin board. <gasps> let's do it. Let's, let's trace it. Let's trace it. Let's make a map. Everything comes back to this movie. And nobody <laughs> Voyage knew of the Rock Aliens. Okay, so the aliens are here to observe, not participate. That's the idea. They begin to observe teens at a makeout sesh. It's like nighttime. The teens are in cars. And this girl is like kind of rejecting a guy. And he's he's decides he's going to wish on a star. And he's like, wish I may, wish I might. And then the aliens decide they need to dress more like humans and choose this exact moment to steal the human's clothes through a some sort of alien trickery. So this boy's wishing on a star. And suddenly his date is nude in her car. And <laughs> the great. aliens are wearing a bunch of, like, ladies' clothes. <laughs> it's so great. This is so, again, this is so 80s. Yes, absolutely. And then uh, we go to, they're, like, at a, I don't know, like a malt shop or something. It's like a 50s diner. Yeah. You know what, too? The aliens in general remind me so much of the Zoltan group from Dude, Where's My Car? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say that they probably were referencing this movie. Probably. When they created yeah. the Zoltan Put group. it on the board. 100%. Okay. Is, wow. <laughs> I should have wrote my master's thesis on this movie. You should have. So <laughs> the band... Uh, played by Jimmy and the Mustangs, is there in the diner, and they're singing this rad song called Justine, which really <laughs> has nothing to do with anything, but they break out in this whole, like, side story of a super hot chick who I guess is Justine. And basically the lyrics are, Justine, Justine, over yeah. and over. Should and we play a clip? Yeah. Okay. Right. See, it's awesome. It, and they're really hamming it up with the rockabilly. Like, they've got the stand-up oh, yeah. bass and the, you know, mohawks and the uh, saxophone. Like bouffants. Yeah, like bouffant, uh, two-tone two blonde and black hair. That skunk hair. Yeah. I'm kind of a sucker for skunk hair. Don't you? you do it, though. I don't want you to do it. I, I like looking at it, but I don't want to see it every day, so. Okay. Don't don't do skunk hair unless uh, your hair naturally grows that way. You're not uh, at risk of me doing that. Okay, but I'm, it's intriguing to <laughs> okay. me. And then the aliens have entered the town and they're observing. Does your instrumentation reveal any intelligent life form? Life form, yes. Intelligent, no. Well, this looks like an extraordinary village. We shall enter and observe the species. And then the gang is, like, everybody is there. The aliens enter the hangout. They're super obvious. They're trying to be, like, normal, I guess. But they just stick out because they don't understand. They're too alien to be. Uh -huh. Yeah. And Dee Dee takes this time. She's at the malt shop or wherever it is. And she goes into the bathroom and is talking to her BFF, who is named Diane. She's talking about her relationship issues that she has with Frankie. And she sings. And it's another, like, musical number. There's a lot of musical numbers. So many. So many. But this one's great because it has girls who are toe dancing in the urinal or in the stalls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and With it's like underwear down. Yeah. And it's then, funny. Yeah. And then they kick open the doors and on the inside of every bathroom stall is a picture of Frankie and his abs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's pretty cool. And basically we learn that Dee Dee really likes Frankie a lot. She loves him, but she's not happy that he won't let her be her full self. Right. And then she comes out of the bathroom after her talking, singing moment with Diane. And the lead alien, whose name is, it's on his thing, it's ABCD, but it's pronounced Absid. <laughs> yeah, we should mention that all the alien, the Devo aliens, yeah. have, um, each one of them has an, a section of the alphabet that goes yeah. in order. But you just sound it out. So right. he's absent. He's the first one. He's got a blonde bowl cut. He spots 
uh, super hot 80s Dee Dee, and his head literally explodes when he sees Dee Dee. <laughs> and the alien, his buddies, gather the pieces of his head and skedaddle. They go back to their spaceship and reassemble him in what is one of the raddest reassembly processes. Basically, they end this up with a... This is amazing. A flat Stanley of absinthe. Yeah. Well, they throw all his parts into something. Mm-hmm. Then it comes out as a paper cutout of him. Yeah, flat then Stanley. They let him, they lay him down on a table and then they put like a tube to him to pump him up with air. Yeah. And it brings him back to, to normal. This whole sequence was incredible. Yeah. This is seriously like blew my mind. I loved everything about it. He's got And then we flash to the aliens back on Earth partying on a tractor uh, with <laughs> teens, and they're performing, and they're, like, doing their music, and Diane, remember, she's Dee Dee's best friend from the bathroom, she invites them to play at their dance. It's a cotillion. Okay. And it's like a battle of the band. So they're invited to the big dance. And then it goes back to them on the ship because Absid is so jazzed about Dee Dee that he wants to make a stimulator to stimulate her. And he's fantasizing about her, um, but he's made this stimulator a little bit incorrectly. And he gets, when he tries it out at the malt shop, he is attacked by all of the men and, st- and as the women like sit around confused. So that backfired on him because that's not what he wanted. He just wanted Dee Dee. And meanwhile, he's while he's trying to capture Dee Dee's attention, the other aliens are, I guess, exploring and doing research, and that means looking at cow poop. Yeah. And also, there's a, a whole side story now that begins to evolve of two escapees, the chainsaw guy and the breather. Yeah. Who, this is pretty interesting. Oh, the breather is basically a guy on just life support, right? I don't know. I thought he was drinking or breathing like nitrous oxide or something. No, I think he's just like dying and walking around. They've escaped from an asylum for the criminally This is one of our other cameos. This is pretty cool. It's not just anybody. The chainsaw killer is played by Michael Berryman, who you'd know from The Hills Have Eyes. Mm -hmm. Or I even more so know from Weird Science. Weird Science, Yeah. yeah. So it was pretty cool. Uh, the interview with the band said that he was so cool to hang out with. Like he I was can't just even like imagine. Super down to earth, really fun to be around. What's he doing right now? I don't know, but they said they keep in touch with him. Like, oh, what? Yeah, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's I like cool. that. So then Frankie and his gang are upset with Absid uh, because of his attempts to hook it up with Dee Dee, who's obviously in a relationship with Frankie. So they try to beat Absid, but Absid pops out like a weird alien shield. Anyway, tensions are rising, I guess. This is, is this when they jump him and one of them has like a tomahawk? Yeah, but it doesn't matter because he has his weird plastic and shield. And they, they're like, he's into Scientology. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Then the, uh, Asylum escapees, the two dudes, they go to a gun shop and just load up on guns. Yeah, they're just ready to kill everybody. So they're getting ready. This is, again, this is so damn 80s. There is no need to have two lunatics from an insane asylum running around while this story of space aliens is being told. And keep no in need mind, for any of this. There's a lake monster, too, that randomly appears. This is just, this is just it's as bonkers. 80s as it can be. So we're they're prepping for the dance now. Frankie and his gang say that they're not going to let anyone else play. Uh, even though it's supposed to be a battle of the bands situation, <laughs> yeah, they're like, no. There's one, one band for the battle of the bands. But more specifically, they want to keep the aliens out. So we skip ahead to the dance, and Frankie's band is playing, and the escapees work their way into the high school yeah well the shenanigans have to yeah have to continue and then the aliens try to enter but frankie and his gang are blocking the way so they use weird alien magic to enter the school through the toilets yeah yeah that's okay okay. 
<laughs> whatever <laughs> you know what i i will give this film though is a huge chunk of the comedy works like it's funny this is a funny film i think that usually especially in the 80s they try and do this goofy humor and it just falls flat for the most part mm-hmm. i just i was charmed by a lot of the humor it's in so this ridiculous movie. It's fun to watch it's a funny movie you just have to sign a consent form when you start this <laughs> yeah. and be like yeah. okay this is what you, i'm yeah, in you have for. to know what you're in for but if you know i think you'll enjoy it it is really a fun film so uh, we're at the dance, and Dee Dee breaks up with Frankie because he just won't let her be herself and right. sing to her heart's content. And through some more alien magic, she turns into a star and lands on the stage and begins performing with the aliens. Yeah, and they're doing a back and forth, playing the same song. The aliens and the Mustangs are like going back and forth. Yeah, it's a full it's a battle, battle now, of the bands, I guess. <laughs> Battle of the Bands. And Dee Dee and Absed ditch the dance after this performance. And they go down by the lake. And they're just kind of getting to know each other by the lake, falling in love. Meanwhile, Diane, BFF of Dee Dee, is in the high school. She's looking for Frankie for whatever reason. And comes across the chainsaw guy from the asylum, and he begins to chase her with a chainsaw. Yeah, and he's great. <laughs> so great. And I then, just really like him as an actor. I just want to watch he's, him have a lead just role. He's so much presence in yes, a film. Yes, he's fantastic. He's really, his like, facial expression. Yeah. He's just good. He was very, very enjoyable in we, this film. What's his name, do you know? Yeah, I, uh, Michael Berryman. Yeah, let's watch every movie he's ever made. Okay. <laughs> I feel like we're probably pretty close. Sure. <laughs> so he and uh, he's chasing Diane down and she's cowering behind some drums or something in a room, like in a classroom, and his chainsaw shorts out or whatever, and he keeps trying to restart it, and she's like, do you need some help? Because she's like a mechanic. That was implied earlier. And so she starts helping him put it back together as romance blossoms between them. As he was trying to kill her with a chainsaw. He didn't seem very committed. No, this is a funny way to develop a a romance. So she starts helping him (laughs) fix it. We go back to Dee Dee and Absid on the beach. And he reveals he's an alien. And she's like, it's cool. I'm an alien. That's okay. There's lots of English bands. What about Menudo? We'll get you a good immigration lawyer and you'll have your green card and citizenship papers in no time. No, I mean, I'm from another planet. You mean you're from... And not... And I fell for someone from... Exactly. (sighs) Wow. But you know, I guess it's not surprising I'd fall for an alien. Lois Lane fell for Superman. Uh, there have been lots of mixed couples like that. There's Faye Ray and King Kong. I still can't believe you're an alien. What a novelty act. So she's cool, cool with it, and he invites her to a spaceship. And she's like, rad, let's do this. Yeah, they get in the phone booth, Bill and Ted style, and mm-hmm. beam back up to the spaceship. And then Frankie decides this is too much. His heart's been broken. He's very upset. He's going to break up the band. Yeah. Like, it's all over. <laughs> this, just... okay. This scene is the scene, right, of the whole movie? This whole segment where Frankie has his emotional moment. Oh. Because <laughs> oh, that's, you're... Where, that's where we're at. So, yes. We're <laughs> almost there. this is about to happen. We're almost there. Oh, you, you got something more important we need to get to first? Yeah. He has to go open his locker. His locker is a series of six lockers. <laughs> that is cool. <laughs> on a hinge. And he opens it up and it's a shrine, a full shrine to Dee Dee. <laughs> it is. This is a really funny... This is, again, the humor. I think it's funny. And then he sings the, the song, yeah. Nature of the Beast. My innocent face could hide my dark, elusive eyes. But now 
happening right now well there's a cougar there's a cougar and he's mimicking the cougar with no shirt on <laughs> and he's there's like pouncing wi- around women. flexing yes with like sexy women in wild costumes like they're cat women and at one point he's doing like uh push-up sideways between two rocks <laughs> in that interview i i heard they said that he hurt himself doing that oh <laughs> I don't know if they were joking or not, because they had a really good sense of humor. But I don't know. Um, But this whole scene is uh, beyond words. It's so good. It's a cougar extravaganza. It's him with no shirt wandering through the forest, mimicking a cougar. What more do you need? I don't know. What do you people want? This doesn't do it for you. I don't know. Fill your bucket with this. Nature of the beast. (laughs) Well, so that happened. And then we go back up to the spaceship where Absid invites Dee Dee to come with him to his planet. Mm -hmm. He's like, I'm done studying rock here on planet Earth. Will you come back with me? Oh, one little thing. Little bit. Um, You're going to have to have your emotions removed when you get there. And also probably I should too because now I think you're hot and I feel for you. (laughs) Yeah. So we should do that. And then she's like, yeah, this isn't going to work. Cool. I'm going back. (laughs) Right. And meanwhile, the lake monster has started to surround the entire high school. Yes. With its arms. With its tentacles. (laughs) So dumb. It's so amazing. (laughs) And Dee Dee at this time, or not Dee Dee, Diane has helped the chainsaw guy finish fixing (laughs) his chainsaw. Putting his chainsaw back together. And um, Frankie is still in the high school. He's done singing about being the nature of the beast or having the nature of the beast. And he is cornered by the other escapee, the breather. He's, like, going to be attacked, and it's like a last-minute scramble. But Frankie prevails, so the the breather ends up being electrocuted. The squid attacks. <laughs> Diane squid, and... Squid, is that what you're calling it? Yeah, it's like a lake squid. Like a mutant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Diane and the maniac come in, and they... Use the chainsaw to cut the arm off of the lake monster and save the day, or the lake squid. The aliens decide they're done with Earth. They return to the ship. Frankie and Dee Dee make up. They're they're ready to, like, Frankie's like, I get it. You need to sing and dance. Yeah. <laughs> Enough said. This song, too, I, um, I was like, this sounds identical to Send Me an Angel. Mm-hmm. by the band Real Life. Mm-hmm. And then I looked up the soundtrack and the song that's playing is by the band Real Life. Cool. <laughs> it sounds just like Send Me an Angel from Rad. <laughs> so good. It came on the radio the other day, the uh, Send Me an Angel. And it I was is such a good song. Singing it at the top of my lungs. Question. What? Were you imagining yourself on a yes! DMX bike? Yes! Okay. 110%. But what? how it does end is that all is well and they do a duet and it's the Jermaine Jackson duet but with it's a Frankie. reprisal yes he's clearly lip syncing this whole movie and they have this weird blue screen <laughs> where it's like uh, sunsets behind them as they're embracing and they're singing this song together yeah It is such a good song. 
Okay. It doesn't end yet because the aliens leave and they clear up all the pollution. The lake monster disappears. Lake Erie outside of Spielberg is now clean. So oh, right. the air is healthy. The aliens give them a parting gift. The end. Now it's over. That's right. Yeah, can't forget that. Yes. <laughs> They've really done. They do some good for the planet. They've done some good for the planet. After finding the source of rock music. <laughs> yeah. At Spielberg. So that's uh, Voyage of the Rock Aliens. Mm-hmm. I will sum up why this gem yes. is unknown to most people. Why do we not know If about you haven't this? seen it. Okay, actually, before we even launch into this, what do okay. you think? Uh, it was super fun. It's a good movie. Yeah. So the film is finished. It is what it is. Take it or leave it. <laughs> Whether or not it's like a horrible hot mess or not, doesn't matter. It, well, it won't be everybody's cup of tea. But unlike most films that are wrapped and then released, guess who had final say and could watch the whole thing and say, thumbs up, thumbs down, millions and millions of dollars spent. I decide I don't want it to be out there in the world. Can I just throw a curveball and say I really hope it's Michael Jackson? <laughs> it's not. Oh. It's Pia. What? She had complete creative say in the final product. Oh, well, that's pretty sweet of her husband. Yeah, except all these people that made this movie, she said, I don't want it to be seen. It's not going to be released in the United States. And it didn't get released. <gasps> she just said no. And so it didn't come oh. out. <laughs> it, there, there was some test screenings. People got posters. They got pins. They got backpacks that said Voyage of the Rock Aliens. And she said, nope, not going to happen. The only place that I think it got released officially was West Germany at the time. What? Because the single had come out with Germaine and was a massive hit in Europe. <laughs> And went to number one in like a ton of countries, like a weird Soviet countries or something. Strange. And so she recognized and her management or whatever said she's huge in West Germany. They released it because she was like a star there. And so for years, the only way you could see this film in the United States was a bootleg VHS. It never got released. Fascinating. It got somebody got the bright idea in Canada and said, this would be a great TV movie for kids. What? Released it as a TV special. I'm assuming they took away the boob scene. Yeah, that's the only minor scene that, that's in there. Oh, keep in mind, PG in the 80s. Oh, yeah, I yeah. Did, that wasn't even kind of a deal. And then it also became a TV movie throughout Europe in different countries. Interesting. So there was a whole generation of kids <gasps> who grew up with it. On TV for a few years. Interesting. Meanwhile, everybody that made it never got to see it. Oh. And like the band, the the big Devo band. Rima. They went back to Arizona. Everybody's like, let's see this big film you were in. (laughs) And they were like, it never came out. (laughs) They finally had to, they didn't even get a copy. They found a copy on VHS. They paid 90 bucks Whoa. to watch their own movie that they had started. They were the stars of the movie. How much later was it? I So this is what I'm unsure of. Because it finally came out by Prism, like we mentioned, in mm-hmm. 1988, is when it finally got released in the United States. So this is years, years. later. This was made in or 83. Yeah. And, so, and then was released in 84. So we're talking years and years later. It finally came out. But I'm assuming they had got a bootleg of it and watched it before. And so was res- the band still even together when they it are? Came yeah, out? they're still they're together. still together now. Two of them are, yeah. Um, but they saw the film and they were like, <laughs> "What a pile of shit! Like, <gasps> what Aww. is this?" Well, everybody was like, "What in the world happened on this? It's a mess." Over the years, of course, like like all good things from yeah. the '80s. They chilled out and were like, oh, wait, this is really cool. Awesome. Which I think is like the story of everybody who did weird cult films in the 80s. Is everybody is like uh, mortified and then realizes, oh, this is actually pretty cool. I think as you mature beyond it, it's yeah. not who you are. It's who you were. So it's like, yeah, yeah, that's I was being crazy. And you become this cult personality. Yeah. And so, yeah, so they've they've gone on to embrace it. They got that. And then, yeah, it came out on VHS finally. And then it got a DVD release in like 2004 or three or something like that. I think it's come out on Blu-ray now. 
So it's it's definitely picked up steam and become a little bit of a staple, but it's still virtually unknown. Interesting. And I would say watch it. I think it's great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's super fun. So that is the story of Voyage of the Rock Aliens. There it is. I, good. I'm really glad we finally got around to watching it. Yeah, it was so fun. Yeah, so... Uh, if you liked what you heard, um, tell a friend. I don't know if, if you've seen it and you're like, whoa, they did an episode on it. <laughs> you know, share it. Tell yes. people because uh, this is the kind of stuff we love to cover. It was fun. It was like a hidden gem. Sometimes we cover movies that we've seen a ton of times and grew up on. Sometimes we get lucky. And this was one of those. Yeah, it was really fun. Really fun to work our way through this new mystery yeah so check it out if you have a chance uh if you like what you heard like we said tell a friend rate review subscribe that really helps us we're yeah. anywhere you get your podcast so you can many track of us you down. have done that and thank you for the five star reviews it and really helps. thank you for all the shares too especially yeah. who knew our dance or die episode would be so <laughs> popular but whoa yeah we came in on strong on that one Thank you to everybody, and you know who you are, that has been sharing our posts yes. and spreading the word. We really, really appreciate so it. So much. Uh, you know, this is we're all doing this for just the love of, of movies. If you want to follow us, we're on Instagram at Lasergraves. I'm at Death at 33 RPM. I'm at Mariah Rose Wimmer. And that is it for this week. We will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye.